Welcome to The Markitect, a podcast series where leadership and product marketing intersect. The Markitect is for and about the world's best product marketing leaders and the chief marketing officers that own the function. Today, my guest co-host is a brilliant marketing executive turned co-founder of Launch Notes, Jake, Jake B. If you know him well enough, as I do, you call him Jake B. You don't say the last name that's just because you don't know how to pronounce it. If you say Jake B. Uh, I, I, you know, Jake, Jake and I have the, the absolute pleasure of interviewing the global head of product marketing, the head honcho for product marketing at a company that is chasing 5 billion in revenue, the company from down under, and it took everything out of me not to say that with some sort of Aussie accent, because I love the Aussie accent. Uh, shout out to Crocodile Hunter, rest in peace. Atlassian, he's the global head of product marketing for Atlassian. This Markitect, this true Markitect, who has been trying, applying his trade at Veritas, which then got bought by Symantec and, and other SaaS organizations. He did a stint of sales as well. He's gonna share how he builds, manages, and more importantly, measures his product marketing team of close to 100 at Atlassian. He's gonna talk about how this crew of Markitects positions Atlassian to win. And now it's my pleasure to introduce you to Sean from Atlassian and my guest co-host, Jake from Launch Notes. Welcome, gents. Good day. Thanks, everyone. Awesome to be here. Yeah, thanks for the time. Can't wait. So before we get to it, we have a lot. So let's just dive in. But I got to ask you two fill in the blank questions. First one, Jake, Sean, we'll start with you and then we'll go to Jake. I am in marketing because... I'm in marketing. I thought about this for a little bit before we started. Um, the real reason I'm in marketing is I'm an entrepreneur at heart. I just see opportunity everywhere and I want to go solve it. And um, it felt to me like the best training ground for, you know, how do you combine opportunity with execution and move a company or build a company to go do something about it? Um, so that's why I'm in marketing. Brilliant. Uh, and, and marketers, especially in this day and age, have to have that entre entrepreneurial mindset because uh, change is a constant. Change is an absolute constant. And you're dealing with demanding CROs, demanding CPOs. And so rightfully so, you got to be on your toe. You got to be agile and you have to have that entrepreneurial mindset. Love it. Jake. I am in marketing um, because it, I, I think of it as the tip of the spear. If you look at the org and all the different roles and they're all crucial and vital in their own way, but uh, marketing is the one that's usually out in front, uh, paving the way, looking for opportunities, like Sean said. And um, I love that diagram specifically of product marketing that shows them at the, the very center of the Venn diagram, uh, but they're kind of in the center of it all. And I feel like it's an exciting place to be if you've got to pick, pick a career and be somewhere. Why not be in the center of it all? Love it. And, uh, you know, you're spearheading a company called Launch Notes, and uh, th there is no one <laughs> workflow such as a product launch where product marketing, who in my humble opinion should be the launch captain of such launches, uh, you're you're in the eye of it. You're in the middle of the storm. You're in the thick of it, as you said. And so right. um, I, we love the responsibility. I love your definition. Let's move on to leadership. Sean, let's start with you. Your definition of leadership is? Well, uh, a first lesson of product marketing is if you don't love the question, you change it. And I think it's a good question, but um, 
it's such a, a defined topic. So I was going to change it just a little bit. Like we're on a press call or something here, right? You know, how, how do you know you've been successful as a leader? I think is how I'm going to state it. And um, I've always kind of thought thought to this one and uh, watching Jake do what he's doing, I think is is just an example. And it's something that gives me motivation um, is leaving a trail of success behind you. If you're a leader and the company's better off for having you have been there, the people that have worked with you are better off They've built their own careers. They've bought their own houses. They've built their families. Like if you can look back and say, like that's success, then you know you've been a good leader. Uh, if everything's worse because you were involved, the answer is obvious. Oh, love it! Leaving a trail of success—that's magical. Uh, Jake, yeah, it's a tough. It's, one to it's tough to follow. It's tough to follow that one. <laughs> um, I was I was going to say my my definition of leadership is uh, is serving others. Um, so I, 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 uh, I stole that from, from uh, the CMO of Atlassian, who Sean works with, Robert Chutwani, but he's big in, in servant leadership. And I think uh, that is the way to think about it, showing up every day, not, not thinking, what is everyone else here to do for me? But what am I here to do for everyone else? How can I unblock them, make them more successful, more efficient at what I they love do? It. And hopefully in the process, leaving a trail of success, as Sean said. And the combination of serving servant leadership and ensuring from an outcome perspective that you are, like you said, leaving a trail of success. Marry the two together. That should be the definition in any uh, course that they teach on leadership. We solved it. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll do the message house. Jake had the simple answer, the one that I think is, is most clear. And I, I, of course, have complicated it, but uh, we'll take that. <laughs> it, it, it goes together. So, all right, Sean, let's get to it. And, and Jake, I, I do want your thoughts on this first one as well. Um, Let's level set. What's the role of product marketing in a SaaS company? I, you know, I, I know product marketers are needed across tech, across B2B, but let's just focus on SaaS. What's the role of product marketing in a SaaS company for you both? You know, I, I don't know who I've stolen this line from because it shows up in so many strategy books, but um, it's where to play and how to win, which is a really simple answer. But I, I want to take that one step further, especially in SaaS and product-led growth companies. I think I'd add to that and I'd say, you're responsible for the commercial success of the product in market. That means, and as Matt Hodges would say, who we'll talk about in a minute, are we building things we can sell? And are we actually able to sell the things we build? Um, if we're building sprockets that nobody wants, product marketing didn't do its job. If we're building things that our sales channel isn't capable of selling, product marketing didn't do its job. Now, everybody involved should be doing their job to prevent that. But ultimately, commercial success rests with the product marketing team. Um, and I think that's a nuance that gets clearer and clearer the more product-led you go. Oh, I love that. So commercial success, it makes us accountable. And the how you do it is really um, driving the conversation on where to play and how to win Brilliant answer, Sean. Jake, let's turn it to you. The role of product marketing in a SaaS company. Yeah, it's, it's a great question. I think when you, when you kind of strip away everything else, I've always thought about product marketing as having there's two really important, important pieces. Uh, one is just understanding your, understanding your buyer intimately better than anyone else in the world. I always used to tell my team, like, I, we need to understand what this person's thinking about, what keeps them up at night, what they eat for breakfast, what podcasts are listening to walking to work. But it's just, you have to have a an understanding of that person inside out, upside down, you know, e even sometimes better than they, they understand themselves. And then the connection point to that on the other side is then being able to write, a, you know, construct a narrative 
and, and, and write and produce content specifically. Of course, as you can tell, I came from the Atlassian world that's very bottoms up, but that reaches that person and that tells that person as soon as, as, soon as they come in contact with something you've created, that you do understand them and you do, uh, you do um, you know, you understand their fears and what they need and you understand how you can help them be a better version of them, themselves. So um, yeah, I think I've always thought about at its basics, product marketing being a combination of those two things. You gotta <laughs> understand that person intimately and then you know, craft a narrative that, that speaks to them. Love it. And, and that's such a buyer-centric, buyer-as-our-hero uh, mindset, which I absolutely love. So understand the buyer and then construct a narrative that wins the hearts and minds of that buyer so that they actually do something and, absolutely. and buy. And uh, since we worked together for a while, it, like we're definitely going to drop in some stories here. But uh, uh, one time Jake's team uh, surveyed 22,913 turned evaluators of Jira software. Like I know the number because it's in the heading on the blog. And we got so deep into why these people started a JIRA instance and then didn't finish. Uh, and I think we still refer to that. And honestly, one of the answers, and I'm being a little bit tongue in cheek here, but one of the reasons is a sandwich, right? People got distracted. They're like, oh, I'm going to have lunch. But because we had gone and looked at so many people, we found out that that distraction that I wanted to do this and I got distracted, like just a simple answer like that came out in that research. So um, volume does matter in that case. Love we it. No. Love it. 22,913. I think that honestly could be a record. Um, we, we think, yeah, speak to 50 people. L largest churned value sur evaluator survey ever done. <laughs> ever conducted. Well, I will caveat too. Jake's OKRs at that time were to bring in about 2 million evaluators. So uh, he got some big goals. Love it. Love it. And, and so Sean, let, let's just stay with you for a second. Um, does the role of PMM does it change uh, for PLG-led organizations versus your typical SaaS sales-led yeah. organization? Yeah, I've spent a lot of time writing on this internally. At some point, I'm going to have to take it external. Um, this is going to sound like a cop-out, but the role is the same. The skills are different. And really what I mean by that is um, I think about it almost sort of like ambidextrous, right? You know, you're equally as talented with one hand as you are with the other and able to play a sport with left or right hand, you know, and be equally as strong. Um, so I break it down and I, I think about it as a dual mode product marketer. There's bottoms up motions and there's tops down motions. Can you do both? If you can do both, you are one of the rarest, most valuable talents, I think, in the tech industry right now, because the fastest growing companies bring this bottoms up product led growth model and combine it with a really effective sales motion. And so most product marketers are born on one side of the equation or the other. Yeah. If they're a consumer oriented product marketer at heart, they tend to be more quantitative. They tend to really rely on dashboards. They're great at digital marketing, SEO, uh, digital campaigns, right? That's where their brain is. If they're born on the other side of the equation into a sales culture, they tend to be more naturally storytellers, sales enablement experts. They're really good at working with the press and the analysts, building competitive decks, product teardowns, right? And I'll, it's very rare for me, and, and I've interviewed, it has to be over five, 600 people at this point at Atlassian. Um, it's very rare to ever see someone walking the door that can do both well. It's so rare. And so I think that's what we're building at Atlassian is this dual mode product marketer where we can go bottoms up, and do you know two million evaluators for Jira in a year? On the flip side, 
we can come in and talk to a company about why they might want to invest in Atlassian at a million dollar plus level across multiple products and tools. Oh, geez. I love that. So the role is the same. The skill sets are different. So for PLG oriented, it's bottom up uh, and, and you describe what bottom up really means. And for sales motion led, it's top down and, and the utopian unicorn PMM is the person that can do both. Although that's very, very hard to find, but uh, I, I love that. I love that description. Take uh, an example. I'll, I'll do a quick example so we don't go too deep on it, but competitive. Yes. Product marketing should be good at competitive. Um, the difference between a left and a right hand or a, you know, a sales or a bottoms up marketer is that the one who's on the sales side of the skill set is they know their competitors in terms of the product feature function and what to say in front of a customer to close the deal. Generally, the product-led growth ones are much stronger on the competitor's go-to-market machine, right? Where they could break it down and say, here's how they're spending advertising money. Here's how it's converting. Here are the keywords, right? And both are competitive, but they're different ways of approaching competition. Yeah, wow. so, so Sean, um, you know, given all that and given that you're trying to uh, you're trying to build a team that can sort of maximize for both at Atlassian. Maybe can you take us through sort of, especially since I've left, um, how you're building out the org of, of the hundred uh, of the hundred plus folks, and how you're thinking about that structure to to serve both needs, the tops up and the or the tops down and the bottoms up. Yeah, a couple things. Um, you know, one is uh, we're probably going to hire another thirty into the team over the next twelve months. So um, it's uh, it's growing fast, and I think one of the really important things for us is how do we keep that quality bar high well scaling so quickly. So I think one of the biggest moves that we've made uh, is an investment in the craft itself, right? So everybody wants to hire product marketers and say, hey, quickly go solve this problem, you know, go do this thing, but we can't grow as fast as we want. And there's not enough supply side of these dual mode product marketers for me to just go out and interview people. We actually need to build them. And mm. so what we've done is we've brought a boomerang back. Uh, that's a, an Aussie device, uh, I think used for hunting traditionally. Um, but we brought uh, Matt Hodges into Atlassian, and Matt was the original marketer on Confluence. Uh, he led marketing for Intercom and Loom. But we gave him a role on my staff, an individual contributor role on my staff that is titled Product Marketing Craft. And that's literally all he does. Um, he comes in and he's building the skill, the function. He's raising the bar for our teams. Now, we've deployed him on an actual product initially. Uh, he's going to get in there, get his hands dirty, remember how Atlassian works. Um, and then what we're going to do is we're going to roll out uh, over the full course of the year, a series of crafts. For example, a lot of our quantitative product marketers have never done analyst relations. Great. We're going to teach them. Uh, we'll partner with Amita on the leadership team and we'll show them how it's done. And that'll go forth for the full year. So I think that's probably the biggest thing. And it's, I think it's one of the most encouraging things when our founders and our CMO and our CRO are willing to invest in that kind of function because it won't pay dividends tomorrow, but it will pay massive dividends, both I think for Atlassian, but also the careers of our people. Absolutely. We're, we're fortunate to, I was fortunate to work with, work with Matt a little bit when I first started at Atlassian, we, we overlapped for maybe a year. Uh, and then he's now an advisor on launch notes and yeah, he's one of the best. I think it's a perfect role for him. That's great. Um, just, just building off on that, Sean, uh, as it relates to Matt building the craft of product marketing at Atlassian. So I'm assuming that you are, as, as Atlassian expands, you're now hiring, uh, uh, you know, building out a sales function as well. You're going to build out a framework that talks about this bottoms up, top down, what, 
who fits in which camp, which product marketers are perhaps in between those two. Can you give us a sense of what the utopian framework would, would look like? I know it's early days and Matt's still building it out, yeah. but. Well, I think, you know, the, the growth of Atlassian, which is pretty staggering, um, doesn't change uh, who we are and who we want to be. We want to run the most efficient go-to-market in the world. And I, I think we're pretty close to, to that, if not there. Um, and so what that means is that 100% of new customer acquisition is driven by marketing. It has been, it still is, it probably will be for a long time. Um, maybe a few, you know, new deals come in through sales, but, you know, we'll bring in probably next, you know, our next year, you know, over 100,000 new customers. And that'll all be done through the web with credit cards, product-led growth, driven by marketing. Um, and so I think that'll always be our bread and butter. But as we do evolve, right, as customers call us up and say, hey, who's at Lazy and what's Gyra? Uh, and that's not often we hear that, but every now and then we do hear that. And they say, we're spending, you know, 500K with you. Um, how do we deepen the relationship? And that's when we start to bring in people. Uh, so our technical account managers, but it's not a matter of course that we do that. And so I think the evolution that you're seeing us go through is, um, a lot of companies go from products to solutions. Um, we are never going to stray away from having great products that land with a single team or a single use case. And we'll need product marketers that make that successful. Um, but we're an and company, right? So there will be solutions too, right? We won't switch and go all the way. And ultimately the um, role of the product marketers here is going to be, how do we build an architect solutions that are good enough that we could actually route traffic and demand over to them? Right? Most companies, when you have solutions, they're actually not that good. Um, it takes a salesperson to sell them. They don't actually work that well together. We're trying to build solutions that could sell themselves on the strength of the product experience. And the only way you can do that is to have product marketers that understand you know, cross-sell, upsell within the product, user experience, and also the bigger value prop for sales. So it's an evolution rather than like a big shift for us. Brilliant. So imagine now it's the end of the year. Uh, end of fiscal, you look back at your overall product marketing team's effort. And so I know there's uh, about 80, 84 last time we chatted. Um, and even the sub-functional teams within those 84, what does success look like for you as a leader of this team? And also for each of your sub-functional teams, uh, what does success look like uh, at the end of the year? Yeah, the number one sort of North Star metric that we all wake up and think about on almost all of our actions contribute to is our net new customer goal. That is the, the sort of the rising tide that lifts all of Atlassian. Um, and so if we can bring in, you know, a new customer number in the order of, let's say it's 100,000 over 12 months, that's 100,000 customers that have never done a deal with Atlassian before, that have opened up a financial relationship with us for the first time. And that's staggering because I think if, you know, Jake or I were the CMO of a traditional enterprise company, 200, 300 customers would be an exceptional year. Uh, and so the, that's the magic for us is if we can continue the volume and then transition to a value-driven sale as well, I think we have the potential to, you know, really become a, you know, a top five software company in the world. So that's our number one uh, measure is net new customers. Now, how do we get there? I have product marketing teams, for example, that focus on content. They are obsessed over our organic entrances numbers, right? How are we 
tracking in Google? Where are we ranking? Are those numbers going up or down? Do we need to run new strategies, new content? So that's a leading indicator to our net new customer number. And then one that follows is, you know, once we bring those customers in, how are they activating? You know, are we landing high quality evaluators? Are they using the product on day zero, day two, week two? Um, so those are metrics that we start to share with uh, the product organization as it becomes mm. really the product's job to retain and expand the relationship with those people. And then we have a couple goals around things that are maybe less measurable. Um, and I'm not going to lie, I like some of these things, even though they're less empirical. Um, so PMM craft, you know, we'll probably measure that with surveys. Um, there's ways we could measure it, I think, more deeply, but we don't need to overthink it. Uh, and then an advanced uh, or associate product marketer program. So if we're going to grow at the pace we're growing, we need to build an on-ramp for smart people from college to their first job to Love being it. successful marketers. And so uh, Ashley on the team is kicking off an associate PMM program this year with four new grads. And I, I asked her when she builds it, I said, build it with 16 in mind for year two and 32 in mind for the next year. And so that's um, kicking off actually this week. Shout out to Ashley. We had her on the podcast uh, a couple of months ago. Uh, love everything she's doing from a content perspective, but she's at that intersection of content marketing meets product marketing. Um, and just on that note, in your mind, from a content marketing perspective, what does success look like for content marketers that are on your team versus the product marketers? I think this is an overly simplistic answer, but it is an up and to the right line. I mean, that is, I don't know another way to look at it. Um, those teams write content for keywords and searches that we know people care about and it ranks. And I'll tell you a really short story. Um, when I first joined Atlassian, uh, Jay, our president, moved me over to a, another product pretty quickly and um, immediately diagnosed that SEO was like a big, big opportunity. And I, I said to the team, we're going to do nothing but SEO for the first two weeks. And uh, Claire, a person on the team, was like, oh, well, I could get Kanban to rank, you know, probably number one. And it blew my mind. I'm like, Toyota invented the word. Wikipedia is number two. You're not beating those two. And she's like, I'll do it in 30 days. And I said, no black hat, like none of, nope. I said, if you do that in 30 days, I'll dye my hair blue. We had it ranking in like, you know, 19 days and it's been in the top three, you know, ever since really. Um, and it was amazing how she, how she pulled that together. And ultimately it speaks to a company's, um, uh, I think, depth of strategy. You can't just write an article on Kanban and have it rank. You need to have, and I would say this distribution is king. Like if you write that article, how are you going to get people to read it? How is Google going to know it's an article that's of any worth? And so the system actually makes that kind of success possible. And I used uh, washable hair dye. So I kind of skated out of that. <laughs> I can oh, confirm wow. this is a true story. And I have a picture floating around somewhere of Sean with blue hair. So <laughs> you can maybe put that as the, uh, the cover to the, the cover of the podcast. Ron. Please do send. Please do yeah, send. Let, How? Don't, don't doubt really talented SEO uh, and content people. Yeah, like, it sounds like Claire. Ashley and Claire. Right. Sean, on the, just taking this one step further, thinking about um, you know, we've talked a lot about product marketing being sort of in the, in the center of it all. And I know that's especially true at Atlassian, but as you think about the team structure and all the different teams that product marketing has to support, right? You've got your product management, your demand gen, your product advocates. Um, you you want to take us through a little bit of how you guys think about just the resources, how you, uh, you're getting pushed and pulled and tugged from all different directions and how you uh, are working with the team to make sure everyone's supported. It's good to be wanted, isn't it? Um, it's, you know, I guess if, uh, if they, 
people stop asking you for stuff, then you've lost the people kind of thing. Uh, I forget who who had that line. But um, uh, so at a macro level, uh, I report into Robert, our CMO, and then I have a staff of uh, four, um, product marketing craft, obviously being one. And then we've actually broken out our business into three markets. And what we've uh, really intended to build is a CMO for each market. Uh, so each market has a person of that quality and of that uh, skill set leading it. Um, and then within their market, they have all the resources that they should need to really execute. So your product marketing team, if you think about the extended team, um, they'll be getting together with somebody on the creative team, uh, usually in their you know extended staff meetings, somebody on the design team, somebody on marketing analytics, product analytics, strategy and biz ops, um, program management. So they'll have a staff. And then within each of their markets, they can trade off decisions, right? So if boy, we really need wow. to execute on a creative campaign, we might over-index on the creative and that market leader will have the ability to you know, down-level uh, down other priorities or we can pull from another market and say, hey, we really need the creative resources over here. Um, it sounds beautiful. It's hard. Uh, nobody has this figured out at any company I've ever talked to. Um, but that's how we kind of build our market leaders to run. And then what we try to do then is align with sales and with the, you know, go-to-market funnels within those markets as well. So, um, you know, a sales leader for our ITSM business, they'll have a tight relationship, uh, brand, um, content, and so forth. So that's really the high-level structure. And I don't think there's anything too surprising about that, but maybe Rowan or Jake, I'm happy to dig in if you think there is. Um, not for me, you know, for, you know, there's the, I, I break it into two camps. There's the upstream and then there's the downstream, uh, upstream being our, our, our friends and product, and then downstream being the folks that sell. And I don't mean just sales. I mean, the folks that sell anyone in marketing sales, customer success from an expansion perspective is selling support is selling. They're helping acquire, retain, expand. So, you know, if you think of the number eight, there's two loops. The top loop are those who build product and the bottom loop are those who sell. Getting those two loops together right at that midpoint is product yeah. marketing for me. And, and, and we have to interlock with the stakeholders, uh, those who build and those who sell uh, to understand. Sean, to your point, at the top of the call, you said, what do we build? We, we help determine what to build. And then yeah. we help sell what we build. So there's accountability there. And uh, so everything you said, all the people that you said, it really takes a village. Product marketing as a silo does not work without our friends upstream and downstreams. It's the only way that we're successful. Yeah. So I'm very Maybe much- for a, a practical tip in the mix. Cause I, I, think, um, I think I just learned this, you know, by accident at some point in my career. But if you're sitting in front of your computer trying to bang out a message house or uh, messaging for a product and it, you know, you're, writing and then deleting and writing and deleting and it kind of sucks and then you you know get up and walk around and eat something and come back down and do it again and it's just tough that is the signal go out and find your salespeople. go ride along with them go get on the airplane with them and go to new york for six hours or whatever it takes the, every salesperson has to differentiate and message eight times a day assuming they do eight calls a day, which I'm sure they do. Uh, so there is no better resource in building your messaging and your competitive strategy than to get out there with your field. Um, if it's something you do in a vacuum, it can't be good enough and you're not going to have their buy-in. So um, when you're feeling frustrated or don't love your messaging, go get them. 
Love it. And if you do make that trip to New York, uh, shout out Nora's Kitchen, in-house kitchen, best Italian food around. And then you wash it down with some Carlos Bakery. Uh, I'm going to throw John's Pizza for lunch then, because that is good too. I'm bleak. <laughs> Love it. Let's switch the conversation now to, you've, you've shared with us how you build, you share how you're measuring the team. Let's get more execution oriented and talk about how your team positions Atlassian to win. You know, when people ask me, what's your definition of product marketing, Rowan? I, I say it's simple, product marketing. The discipline is not simple. The definition for me after many, many years has become simple. It's we help companies position to win. And win is the acronym for W, who are we going to win with? Who are we going to win against? So best fit customers and your competitors emerging and adjacent and current. Um, the I in win is impact. And that's the value of your product solution organization. What is the impact of that value? Don't just tell me the value, but tell me the impact that the customer is going to get from the value of that of that solution. And then the N, Jake, you, you, you touched on this when you, you know, you talked about the role of product marketing, it's narrative, it, you're 100% right. It's what is the story that's going to resonate and win the hearts and minds of your buyer so they actually make a decision to buy. How is Atlassian, Sean, how, are, how is your team even understanding who to win with and who to win against? Walk us through that uh, that yeah. that approach. So I think who to win with comes from a basket of uh, things that begin with the Q, qual, and quant. Right? Any product-led growth company tends to have a lot lot of analysts, and those analysts will then go and review all the data of everything we've ever sold or trialed, and they'll come back with um, amazing reports, the kind of data that most sales-led companies have never seen, and that's great. But I liken that a little bit to driving through the rearview mirror. Those are people who already tried your stuff. That is exhaust. It's valuable exhaust. I call it turbocharger exhaust, right? You can reuse it and power the engine. Um, but there's a missing piece in a lot of product-led growth companies. And that is, why didn't they consider you? Why weren't you invited to the RFP? Why didn't they trial your product? So I think to balance that, when we're trying to figure out who to target, we look at that for data and insights and it guides us. But then... You need product marketers with that entrepreneurial mindset or that, I call it the rogue element that are like, I don't care what that data says. That's useful. Mm. I want to go talk to the person who bought the competitor that never talked to us, right? And you start to bring in that qualitative. And this is what salespeople do naturally. You bring that qualitative to the table. So now you have qualitative and quantitative to help you figure out who you're trying to buy or sell to. And then um, also you can bring in some predictive elements where you know we can now tell based on, you know, actions you take or how you use the product, what might be the next best product to serve you. Um, so you can build out a really great um, analytics function to start to give you insights on that as well. In terms of who to compete against, um, obviously you have your analyst reports that tell you things like that. You have your win-loss data you know, internally. But I think a really interesting one that's emerging is you know, go out and look at all the review sites. Go look at uh, the forums. Go look at the communities and start to hear that. And you know, an example from my past, um, we never wanted to fund a social media team at a past company. And uh, my team really believed we should. Nobody could make the business case. Uh, and I had this technical marketer named uh, Abdul. 
And he pings me one day and he says, hey, there's uh, two competitors in our forum. And they're talking to our customers about their solutions. And I was like, yeah, I know it's frustrating. We haven't really been able to staff these. He's like, well, I'm going to go in there and I'm going to fix it. So he engages and he offers uh, our alternative view of why the customer should choose us and the impact of choosing us. And a $500,000 deal comes out the other side in like 12 days. So these people were at the bottom of the funnel ready to buy and he engaged. And so that sometimes it's on your own doorstep. That was a, a forum that this particular company actually created and owned. So I think, you know, it's a combination, qual, quant, predictive. Um, that's a long answer. I'll stop there and you guys direct me where you want to go next. No, the qual, the qual and the quant thing is, is uh, I think so, so true. And even, you know, I, I learned that from you, Sean, but uh, ever since then, I, I look at stuff and of course, LaunchNotes is doing a lot of sales, sales-based stuff now. And I'm always, I'm, I'm trying to do the other, the opposite where I'm thinking, where's, where can I get all the quant, uh, which is hard to do when you're a startup because you just don't have the volume. I don't have the 22,000 people I can eval. Yeah. Um, the one thing you think, do have, Jake, though, and you know this already, so I'm just preaching to the choir. Where are there large pools of people who look just like your customer? Yeah. Go there. You don't have to bring them to you. You can go there. Um, and I think that's a huge, just a huge way to scale that as a startup. That's true. Pearls of wisdom. Um, so let's take it to the next, uh, you know, using, using uh, Rowan's framework there, let's take it one step further. So once you do have that target audience top of mind, you've dialed in the, the call and the quant, um, how does your team determine the value of, of what you're offering and then the, the impact of that value, Sean? Yeah. So I, I think, look, if you've got a lot of money, you can go out and you can hire folks like Forrester to help you actually quantify that. They'll go out, do the research, ask the customer questions, come back with a model. They call it their total economic impact. It's pretty good. You can do that with really basic, you know, uh, ROI calculators that your team can build. But ultimately, like the real answer below all of that just is you have to be like a child. Why? 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 Why did you buy this? And the answers you get sometimes are amazing. Uh, an example, I was on a chairlift in Tahoe. And somebody told me they spent $7 million with a um, sink and share company, basically file storage. And I happen to know this company and they spend very little with Atlassian because we hadn't really engaged with them much at that time. And I just kept asking why. Ultimately, it came down to uh, this person's job was sort of the head of employee experience and innovation. And he wanted to just build new ways for the employees to engage in the company. So it wasn't like an ROI for storage. And only a sales rep or a marketer that really is curious about that will ever get to that answer. Hmm. And then the marketer's job is to figure out how many more people are there like that? Is this something, is this a pattern we could actually repeat and sell? And so I think you get to impact with curiosity more than anything else. Okay. I love that. And then let's, let's round it out with the narrative. I think Rowan's favorite one. So once you have those two in place, kind of talk us through how, especially the company like Atlassian, which is uh, as you've as you discussed, a, a volume-based business. There's a lot going on, but how do you how do you craft a narrative across those maybe those three different business lines you you, you spoke about? That's gonna that's gonna match. Yeah, I love this one. We could go for hours on this one. Look, I would put it this way: um, often in engineering-led companies and often in product-led growth companies, all actions are guided by bumping a chart. If it bumps a chart, we'll do it. If it doesn't bump a chart up and to the right, we won't do it. And I think that is effective to a point. Um, anybody who's read the book Sapiens or any of the other ones that go kind of along that series by Noval Harari, um, 
the basic premise of that book is that the difference between humans and animals is that we are motivated by narrative and that we can carry a story across generations and groups of people to compel coordination and cooperation. Like that is what makes people function. Um, that is what makes companies function. That is what makes customers function. If they can't understand everything that you're doing in aggregate in a way that's meaningful, then it doesn't really matter. And so at some point, a product-led growth company has to recognize that the people need to understand that value. And so I think that's, um, that's an area where Atlassian's really growing. So in the past, it was, we'll build this feature simply because it moves a chart. But today, there's actually situations where the product marketing team will sit down and say, hey, product team, you've built amazing stuff here. But unless you add this little piece, can't actually communicate it to customers. And so your product marketing team should be sitting down and saying like, this is the key missing piece of the story. Mm. You got to build it for me. And hopefully you're doing that six months before your launch so that you can get up on stage and everybody goes, wow, what he said in two sentences, I want to buy. Whereas without that, it might've taken me 10 bullets and five demos to get to the same outcome. So uh, I guess I feel strongly about this one. I love that example because when people say the narrative is the strategy, uh, people think we're blowing smoke, but it is the strategy because the narrative is not resonating with the customer and their pain points, jobs to be done, where are your opportunities ahead of them. Um, it's not going to fly. It's not just a fluffy, feel-good story. It is the strategy. And so uh, having that narrative, building to that narrative is, uh, I love that example, Sean. Um, Here's an acid test for your, uh, your leadership. If you turned all of the company goals that you're running the company with external, would a customer even make it to number three or would they just be bored out of their mind? It's like, I want Mao and PEU, paid enabled users, and I want dollars per user, and I want this and this and this. That's cool. But when you have just that as your company goals, there's this massive gulf between what you want on the outcome and what you're actually doing in the middle. And so what is motivating those people? How are they making decisions? Like there has to be some kind of narrative that comes out the other side. Brilliant. Uh, I feel like we could uh, deep dive into the narrative, maybe perhaps for another yeah. uh, podcast. Last question for the day, one for each of you. Jake, let's start with you. So I'm going through a series, everyone is going through a series of product launches and every company approaches product launches in a different way. They just do. Uh, some are very tactical, checklist oriented, throw it, you know, product ready Friday. Hey, product marketing, let's launch on Monday. Uh, yeah, perhaps being extreme and sadly not extreme enough in some cases. And then there's others that are more strategic and cross-functional in nature as it relates to bringing together a team, um, ensuring that there's a launch captain for me, that should be the product marketer. Mm -hmm. uh, what pearls of wisdom would you like to share with, the CMOs and the product marketing leaders that are, are listening here, how should they approach product launches? Yeah, it's a great, it's a great question. Um, I think three, three pearls of wisdom that I'd, that I'd offer, especially to this, to this group, uh, knowing there's a lot of CMOs and sort of VPs of marketing in the, in the mix. Um, the first is actually one that, that's near and dear in my heart. It's something that, that Sean and I worked on a lot at Atlassian and worked with Justine and Claire on over there. Um, but it's just this whole idea of, of getting rid of the, the triad uh, and making it a squad. And what I mean by that is, um, you know, there's a, there's this idea that with every product team, there should be, with every product manager, they should have an eng manager and a design manager with them. Uh, and, and those three should be largely making the decisions for the group and, uh, and driving the product strategy. 
we, we believe, and it's something we push at launch notes and, and we worked hard to push it at Atlassian as well, that there should be a PMM at that, at that table as well at all times so that the PMM is, is there engaging from the beginning, is bringing customer insights, is bringing product insights, um, is also along for the journey to help, to help craft a great narrative as you go. And, and it's going to make for a more successful release and, and launch at the end of the day. So um, that's a huge one. Like your PMM should be at the, have a seat at the table at all times. And it's, it's, it's mission critical that they do, and it's better for the business and the product if they are. Um, so that's the first. The second one that we're big on is, uh, I, I call them meaningful customer moments, but focus on meaningful customer moments rather than Steve Job moments. Uh, I think, you know, largely in the SaaS world, we're still focused on these kind of big bang releases, these moments of, hey, after a quarter, we unveil this, and this is what it is. Um, so much of, I think, what, what drives customer trust and interest and, and Mao and all those numbers that most people are chasing these days is, is just is, is kind of answering the question consistently, what have you done for me lately? Right? I'm paying you on a monthly basis. What have you shipped for me this week? And constantly just showing teams that you're working and you're, you're providing value and you're in, engaging with them, asking for their feedback along the way. So think about meaningful customer moments to them. And that could be a little weekly thing that just says, hey, we squashed these five bugs. We know we're bugging you um, in, instead of holding all that to the end of the month or the quarter. So that's a, that's a big thing that we see in a, in a trend that we're, uh, that we're actively working with a lot of teams on. Um, and then third is just this strengthening and thinking about the relationship between PM and PMM. You know, there's, there's so much. I have, a, I have a podcast that I'm thinking about I'd, I'd love to do called Relationship Therapy that just brings on a PM and a PMM and they talk about how they work together. But um, the, more, the more that we've had, you know, the experience of building launch notes, the more I just realized something that I think was, was always, always there. But th that relationship is kind of the linchpin. It's like, it's the relationship, it's, it's, it's the go-between between everything happening in R&D and, and product and everything happening in go-to-market. And it's, you know, those two people and that relationship they have is just absolutely vital. So usually people think about the PMM org and the PM org. And I'm always encouraging folks to think like, what is... What are, what are those two orgs doing together? And what's that relationship like? Because the, the teams we work with that have that really smooth relationship between PM and PMM, things just flow, they function, they, they work. Um, if, there's, if there's friction between those teams or there's misalignment, like you were saying with the, I, lo I love the example of the, the figure eight, um, it's, it's really tough to get, to get the output you want and the outcomes you want. So um, e even now when we have sales calls of someone inbounds and they want a demo, if it's a PM, we usually say, bring your PMM counterpart and vice versa, because if we can get them both on board um, and help smooth that relationship out, things just, things flow so much better and so much more naturally. So um, three pearls of wisdom from me. Love it. Give PMM a seat at the table. And I say, make them the launch captain, focus yeah. on meaningful customer moments and strengthen the relationship between P product management and product marketing. I love that. Why? For me, launch, there's two parallel paths that have to be in concert. There's the product readiness, and then there's the commercial readiness. And at no time should product readiness be working and then doing some kind of baton to hand off the commercial readiness. It happens at the same time, folks. Please give us the opportunity to start working on this when you decide you're going to put hands on keyboard and start building things. Product readiness, commercial readiness, one is led by PM, the other is led by PMM, together. That makes sense. You know why, Rowan? You know why? I think maybe we, we wrap on this one, but here's why. Nothing kills an immature product better than great marketing. And if that is true, then nothing accelerates a great product better than great marketing. And I've seen it on both sides of my career. 
where we have put stuff up into the stratosphere and product and marketing have a party. And I have seen the opposite where we've put a product up into the stratosphere and it wasn't ready. And the amount of pain and hurt that that brings to customers, but also the team that just worked their ass off is exceptional. And so you have to be partners on this. There's no other option. Love it. Sean, what's your final pearl of wisdom for product marketers who want to be perceived as architects, which is a marketer that is an architect of growth. You put them together, you get a architect. How, how should this perception take place? What should they be doing? Yeah, I think I'll go back to a question we didn't cover deeply earlier, but um, we thought about hitting, which is, uh, hey, marketing is a cost center. Uh, if you hear that, if you feel that, if that's what you think your environment is, like big red flag and opportunity, um, you should probably sit down and start to think about who's our CFO or who's the person who makes these decisions and sit down with them and say, all right, listen, there are a lot of companies in the world that are thriving because of their marketing team. Obviously, that ain't us. Um, so let's figure out how we change that. What is the most you know, important thing that marketing could drive for this company this quarter or this year? And get to an agreement. And when you get to that agreement with your CFO or whoever is handing out the money in this company, but I think it should be the CFO because if you're already in this position, there's probably some problems elsewhere in the relationship. And say, all right, if I do this and I generate these outcomes, can we do more? And can we level up and repeat? And so I think just starting to build that translation between dollars and marketing uh, if you don't have it already, is probably the most important thing because you'll never, you'll never get out of that cycle if you don't start that conversation. And this is why Atlassian's chase for five billion is going to happen sooner rather than later. Thank you, Sean, for lending us your time and insights, Jake. As always, uh, appreciate you coming on the show. You've been here many times, and it's always, always insightful. Thank you both. Have a wonderful Here's rest of your day. Thanks, Thank Rowan. Enjoyed it.